Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Bleacher Connection, a part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. And welcome to the show, everyone. Trevor, how are you doing this long weekend? Well, I'm getting sick and tired of freaking eating smoked sandwiches everywhere. It's freaking disgusting. I, I don't know if it's quite as bad in Edmonton as it is in the Calgary area, but holy smokes, the the smoke from the wildfires in northern Alberta, disgusting. I, Everywhere you go, it's like your mouth's dry and you feel like you're eating campfire. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, ah! We got a oh. bit of a reprieve last night and then back this morning. And Gail's uh, supposed, my son's supposed to have a ball practice today. It's in jeopardy. The practice on Saturday already got canceled. The game last Wednesday already got canceled. It's just like, you know, this smoke can just fuck off. <laughs> I'm <just like laughs> tired of it, but I'm trying. I don't want to make light of it because it's a serious situation. And northern alberta and there's a lot there's a there's a lot of people in a lot worse uh circumstances than us dealing with the smoke there's people worried that they're going to lose their houses and have lost their houses and are displaced for weeks on end and and you know, under evacuation so as much as we complain about the smoke and and it is gross it's there's a lot worse circumstances so you know we're safe we're healthy that's most important but it is definitely uh putting a hamper on your day-to-day life yeah i mean i know today we got rain but that was originally encompassed with uh being thunderstorms so that that's not great because i just start more but we need a lot more rain than we're actually getting and i I think it's only sporadic today it did rain a link a little overnight which is nice but it's been pretty bad here too i remember a couple earlier in the month i was supposed to be at work but I wasn't and due to you know my wife being in the hospital there and um I pulled up to Safeway and I, I saw like this you know plume of smoke in the distance and it, it you know that's a that's a fire that's not a you know car engine and it was quite a ways away but it was big and by the time I got home and I looked at my work phone uh, my manager had taken a picture from out front of our warehouse and he it was it was close and it actually turned out the exit i take to go to work well it was on fire 
or on both sides of it. They, it, the, just the trees and the brush and the grass there, you know, and I don't know if it's, uh, just cause or how it happened or if there was, you know, glass in, in the trees and the, the, it was hot and sunny and it caused a fire or if, you know, some moron threw a lit cigarette out the window, you know, and if you are a smoker, don't do that shit. That is just dumb. Yes. You know, like, seriously, it's the easiest way to not start a, you know, brush forest fire, whatever it is. Just don't, you know, find a way to get rid of it. Keep it in your car. Don't throw it out into dry grass or anything else. But it's it's been pretty smoky here, pretty bad, you know, and, you know, being in a warehouse where the, the doors and, you know, bay doors are open a lot, it comes in quite frequently and easily. And yeah. it definitely affects affects your day and, whole, you know, there's a lot of them are in and around the Edmonton area and hope everyone is safe and it doesn't do more damage than it already has. But yeah, it's uh seems to be a yearly thing. And like, I mean, it's May and we're already having them. So it seems like it's, it's usually a later thing and earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually later. This is very concerning that to have out of control this early. We've actually somewhat have had reprieves the last few years where it hasn't been like crazy, crazy smoky, you know, it comes for a day or two, but this is bad. This is it, really bad. I mean, it's scary. That's, that's the problem is. And then and you get people complaining about the fire ban too. Like, well, no, no shit. Like, it, <laughs> why are you complaining about that? I'm sorry that your camping trips are going to be inconvenienced and things like that. You know, it, it's natural fires. If you're going camping, Take a propane fire with you because those things are a lot safer than uh, throwing some wood in a pit and and lighting it up. It uh, it's a little more controlled, so it it does put a damper on a lot of things. But you know, I mean, the big part is it it messes people's lives up real bad. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like we're complaining about our lives being inconvenienced slightly. There's people who've had their whole lives uprooted and everything's gone. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we, we're the lucky ones and, you know, hopefully, you know, safe. I haven't heard of any fatalities yet. Thank goodness. Everybody's evacuated when they're supposed to. So for the most part, you know, we're lucky that way. There hasn't been any major, there's been loss of life, but there's the property damage is out of control and it's, it's a scary situation and we need some rain badly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It kind of sucks because, you know, we're not taking uh, the little one out as much for walks or anything like that right now, just because, you know, six weeks old, you know, and that kind of smoke's not good for his little lungs. So it uh, hopefully it'll calm down so we can start, you know, a few more little adventures with our little guy who was growing yeah. way too fast for my liking. I can tell you that. <laughs> like every time I look yeah. at him, he's bigger. <laughs> they, they grow by the minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then you're wondering why he's crying and hungry all the time. And it's like, well, well yeah, because you're growing. Like, still, always. <laughs> yeah. But, Jerry, there's, uh, there's lots of sports stuff to talk about this week, and we've kind of narrowed it down to some of the the, the points we want to cover off. The, and we're, we're going to start it off with Are You Kidding Me? Are You Kidding Me? is brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code BELLYUP20 for 20% off your all your grooming gear, now including the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Trevor, why don't you start us off? Well, we were talking about fires and stuff. Well, I'm going to start with 
a team that's not on fire, and that's our local baseball heroes, the Toronto Blue Jays, wallowing in last place in the AL East, above 500, but who cares? Who cares? You're in last place in your division. You just did a 10-game homestand where you swept the Atlanta Braves and went four and six on that homestand, including a uh, one and six record to Baltimore, New York. Not good. Not good. We may touch on the Jays a little bit more here in a second, but I want to go back to a specific incident in one of the games. And I got to call out manager uh, John Schneider. Sixth inning of the ball game against the uh, the Baltimore Orioles. Alec Manoa was on the mound. He's actually four once pitching an okay game. He had only given up two runs through six innings. He was at 85 pitches. John Schneider comes out to the mound, has a visit, walks, you know, back, back off the mound as if he's going to leave. The umpire comes out and goes, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to take your pitcher out. Pete Walker had already come out that inning. New rules, you can only have two mound visits per inning. So Manoa forced to come out of the game. You know, big screw up by John Schneider. What I really want to call out is John Schneider's comment after the game about it. More or less going, yeah, I done effed up. I screwed up. I forgot about the first mound visit. Okay, thanks. You owned it. But I also think it was time that Alec Manoa came out of the game. Uh, whoa, whoa, slow down here. One second. You're totally trying to cover your tracks. You weren't taken out of that game. You were leaving the mound having not made the pitching change. The umpire had to stop you and go take him out. So, Mr. Schneider, don't feed us that BS. You you partially owned your screw-up, which was bad in the first place, because Manoa probably didn't need to come out at that point. Let him try to finish the inning. And I'm going to get to that here shortly with, with another John Schneider blunder, in my opinion, this week. But you, you tried to cover it up by lying. Own it. Just own it. You'd say you're done after up. It won't happen again. But you, you lied. What concerns me about this is this is kind of a string of we're starting to see it. We were complaining about Montoyo with this ball club. I'm starting to see some of the these things starting to happen with John Schneider as well. On the weekend against the Orioles, the Jays are up 5-2. Eric Swanson's on the mound. He's, he's, you know, he's let two guys on, but he's also struck out two guys in the inning. Just finishes the strikeout. Schneider goes and gets Swanson, pulls and brings in Romano, who subsequently gives up a three-run home run on his third pitch of the inning. You got a killer reliever that you went and you traded to Oscar Hernandez for this reliever. And you're not going to let him try to get out of that jam with two outs. And you're going to go to your closer who has not been very good the last couple of weeks. You, that's a rookie move. The, let Swanson, Swanson should not have been pulled from that game until he at least gave up a run. I don't care if there's first and second. He had struck out two guys. The guy has one of the highest you know, K's per nine innings rates in baseball, there's a good chance he's going to strike out the next guy. Let him try to finish that inning. Like, Swanson looked pissed when he was getting pulled 
right then. And then it even blows up in their face, give up the three and home run and then lose an extra innings. Like, Ken, are you worried about John Schneider? Because all of a sudden I am like his reluctance. To, Manoa's struggling this year. Manoa and Kirk are a tandem. He won't go away from that to try something. Like, I just feel like he's kind of falling into the same old routines and traps that kind of pissed us off about Charlie Montoya, where it was like, play the numbers, play the analytics, play the matchups. And it's like, I'm the team's in last place. This team's too good to be in last place. There's a problem here. And maybe it is John Schneider, or maybe maybe this team's just not as good as we've all thought. I don't know, but I'm getting worried. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I we we haven't done a you know segment of Jays in flight yet this year. We're 47 games in, and I think the problem with that is this season their hashtag is still next level, but what it should be, because I think it represents way more of this season than everything else, is the hashtag for the season should be reminiscent of 2006's rom-com starring Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker failure to launch. This this team is just misfiring on all cylinders. And I think it's a huge problem. There we go. Impromptu, Jason Flight brought to you by a fifth, <laughs> lead, fifth place club in the AL East. Okay, Ken. Why don't you lead off, Jason Flight? <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll we'll insert Jason Flight into Are You Kidding Me? But like let's let's be honest. Um, I mean, Bichette's got a 320 average, Chapman 301, Guerrero 294, Springer 239, you know, injuries, Kiermeyer, the guy should be paid double. He's 317 for what he's doing. You know, I think they've already he's already earned his money. Um Barshall 206, Kirk 234, Espinal and Biggio 205 and 127. Ooh, don't start on Biggio. Like Danny Jansen 202. Those are their averages. The big guys cannot be the only ones solely being relied upon because when they are and they aren't going, they don't get it done. They're the first to be blamed. You know, I sent you that article or whatever that said, is it time to start looking at sending Biggio to the minors? That article is it is time? Three, three years too late, right? It's time for Biggio to be DFA and say, see you later and see who picks him up. He's not the player that he was in the minors. We've all seen that now. There's no need to continue this experiment. Kirk, I'm sorry, but... For a position player, what a disappointment! They, well, they absolutely they talk about how great his uh, framing is, and it has got to be the worst in the majors that I have ever seen. A, a, a catcher does not get a call on framing a pitch by raising his glove six inches every single time he catches it. It's about the subtle movements to get the ball and your glove in position into the into the strike zone because an umpire is going to see such a drastic move and go, "You're trying to pull one over on me." Marshall, I mean, I don't know, new team, whatever. I, this At least he plays good defense. Yeah, like, I, you're getting something out of him. Kirk Kirk is such a disappointment on this team. And I'm also disappointed in the fact that no one sat down to him. This is what now, his second full year in the bigs, right? 
why the hell has someone not sat him down and told him, dude, get in shape. You are a professional ball player and you're, you know, what should be a stand-up double for most is a single for you, right? Like whether he's got speed or not, but he can't, to me, that is just such a slap in the face because everyone talked about Vladdy's conditioning and Vladdy's shape. He did something about it and it made exactly. a huge difference. And his play got better. He became a gold glover at first base. He struggled at third when he was carrying the extra weight. This isn't body shaping. I by no means am in any kind of shape to be, you know, I'm not criticizing, but I'm just saying like you're a professional athlete. Show up and act like one. Cause to me, that shows you don't have the commitment to get better at what you're doing. When you come in out of shape every year, year in, year out, and you're not a, a Cecil fielder, you're not a David Ortiz. You're not a, um, uh, who is the Padre that could hit like crazy. Um, well-retired Kirby Puckett or, you know, not Kirby no, Puckett. That's, twin. That, that's, that's twins. That's twins. Twin yeah, I know. But the Padre, I can't remember. He was always smiling. Always good guy. I can't remember his name now, but there have been, you know, John Cruck is another one. Heavy guys. In major <laughs> League baseball. Bartolo Colon. Those guys produced, right? Like they at least produced. So you maybe turn a blind eye, but to me, Alejandro Kirk is a flash in the pan. I've never been 100% on that train. The pitching staff, like Jordan Romano, I'm going to go there first. He's not a closer. How many times have we seen him come into a game and lose it or it's tied at the end of the inning? And again, he had that flash of great play. And then it went away. I don't know. What needs to be done? It, it's, you know, the other day in that 8-3, 11-inning loss, Baltimore had eight runs on 13 hits. The Jays had three runs on 12. The Jays are 6-65, six and 65, I think I saw, with runners uh, in scoring position in the last week and a half. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. The fact that Bo Bichette, we, all, we call him Bowen 2 because every at-bat starts off 0-2. The fact that that's still happening is unacceptable. That's for John Schneider and his screw up there. I agree. He owned it only to then crap on it by saying he should have come out anyways. Um, and I agree with you. No, you weren't planning on taking him out. I don't even know if they had anyone warming up at the time. But do I put the onus on so much on John Schneider right now? I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily... His doing, you look at Alec Manoa, the guy was supposed to be the ace. The guy was supposed to be, you know, a Cy Young candidate this year. And he's looked like a number five starter. If and that, that, and that's a problem. You say Kikuche is looking like Alec Manoa should be, right? Like at times it just, it seems whenever the Jays tag a guy as the number one dude in that rotation, absolutely shits the bed. And that that's such a problem. Right. Like, I think you should go into it and not have a number one guy and in hopes that like, look at what happened to Barrios last year. Number one guy. And he had a horrible season. It just I don't get what that. That designation does to a player, but it seems to be an issue. There's a lot of things going on with the Jays and. Uh, I don't know if it's one thing or another. I, I'm going to give John Schneider the benefit of the doubt right now, because. 
we're 47 games into his first full season. And I think he might be having to manage as he's going with some of the issues that are coming up with guys not performing. Like, let's put, what is Rutz, Atkins, and, um, yeah, yeah, Mark Shapiro doing to fix this? What are they doing to bring players in to replace the Biggios and the Espinals? And I'm going to say it, the Kirks of the world. You know, we got Brandon Belton, who's batting 250 in, you know, 104 at bats. I'll give Belt a little bit of a pass because he's actually been hitting closer to 375 over the last month. He had a very slow start, but but he seems to have maybe turned it around. We'll see. But our bench is horrific, right? Like if if the starters aren't going, if the the big names aren't producing, there's no one picking them up. And that's a problem. Again, we're talking about bench depth with this team. Here, here's my biggest worry about the Blue Jays, and there's there's more disappointments on this team than surprises. And disappointments, Alec Manoa has to be number one on the list of disappointments this year. Do I at some point believe he's going to get it back? Yes, he has to. His stuff is too good. Uh, other disappointments, Jordan Romano, I'm with you on that one. I don't believe he's a legit closer. George Springer is one of my biggest disappointments of the year. He's hitting 230 and he has an on-base percentage of like 300, yet he's in the leadoff spot. So I want to go back to John Schneider. This ain't working. Get him out of the leadoff yeah. spot. Get him how, how out much, of the leadoff spot. Maybe put Kiermaier in there. I don't know. With Springer, but, though, how much could that be from that injury at the end of the season last year? And it very well could be. So move him down in the lineup. Insulate Springer maybe a little bit more. Let him just get him out of the leadoff spot. You can't have a leadoff guy with a 300 on base percentage that you're just, you're not setting the table for the big guys. But another concern is this team can't hit with runners in scoring position. There's zero clutch factor on this team. They're 25th in major league baseball hitting with runners in scoring position. That's not good enough. Kevin Gosman is having a lights out year. He's got a just over three ERA. He has two wins. This guy can't buy a run for like no run support for this guy. Your top two pitchers on this team are supposed to be Manoa and Gosman. We are past the quarter pole of the season. They have three wins combined between the two of them. They're on pace for 12 wins total combined between the three of them. And Manoa, not Manoa, Gosman has pitched lights out. This team, you put it best, failure to launch. They cannot fire on all cylinders at any time. They did at one point this year and won seven ball games in a row. But even during that run, they had a couple of lucky wins in there and they weren't getting much hitting. Like this team just struggles to score runs. Struggles to score runs. There's no clutch hitting on this team. Bo Bichette's hitting 300 something oh, above 300 but you referenced it every time he is up with runners on base the count gets to 0 and 2 now that I've said it watch for it you will be shocked how often it happens it happened twice in the ball game yesterday he hit in the seventh and the ninth both times it happened on the weekend twice like literally his approach at the plate with runners in scoring position is horrific horrific 
He's a professional ball player hitting 300 who could be hitting 350. He has no patience at the plate once runners get on. Here's what happens. He comes up, he swings it, strike one, fouls it off, and then he takes strike two. You're 0-2. Watch for it. You're going to be shocked how often it happens. Yeah, I mean, the the pitching. The clutch factor on this team is minimal. And look in the playoffs. This team, core, has never won a playoff game. There is zero clutch ability on this team, and that's turning out to be a big, big problem. Big problem. Yeah, I mean, Chris Bassett, five and two is good because you spent lots of money to bring him in to get him. That's good. You say Kikuchi, Kikuchi, who, you know, last year, you couldn't pay me to say a good thing about his season, is five and one, right? Like, those are your two best pitchers. Barrios has as many wins as Gosman and Manoa combined. Yeah, he's three and four. Our again, three, four, the, five starters are our one, two, three starters. Like that, that's that's craziness. The ERAs though, four oh eight for Kikuchi, five fifteen for Manoa, four sixty one for Barrios, three oh five for Bassett, and three fourteen for Gosman. Right, like you'd like to see those numbers a little lower, but all I know right I'm, now, I, I'm okay with a three ERA. Anything in the three range is fine with me. Yeah, Anything still, above four, like you've got. Anything kind of four, I'm going to say 4.5 and above is not good. Yeah. Like you also got to look at the division they pitch in. So having, you know, three and four ERAs isn't craziness. Still, we don't have a Garrett Cole, that's for sure. <laughs> no. But all I know right now is everything in Jay's land is not all right, all right, all right. <laughs> well, so much for our impromptu Jay's in flight. Ken, why don't we get back on track? With- <laughs> yeah. Let's just do one more. Are you kidding me? And then we'll move on to our segments for the day. So, Ken, why don't you you uh, get us back on track? Yeah, like we're gonna Blue Jays. We're we're uh, we're gonna take it back a little bit to hockey here, and you know, just a re- one quick one to say, Joe Valeno, are you kidding me? What are you doing at the world stomping on a dude's ankle? So he got five games, should have been a lot more. But I think what one deserves a little more talking is. Woke up this morning and see Steve Simmons trending on Twitter again. And it's usually never a very good reason why he is. I no. think my favorite Brian Burke quote is uh, at the end of the season or after he got let go from the Maple Leafs, he said he got asked a question about running Team USA and Burke didn't even answer that question. Just kind of looked at him. He goes, you know what, Steve, the best part of today is I don't have to take any of your stupid questions or something along those lines. Like, Steve Simmons says some really dumb shit a lot of times. And uh, I'm going to read a a quote or a piece from an article he wrote regarding uh, GM and coaches searches. It says this and that the best available general manager not working is Stan Bowman. Best available coach is Joe Quinville. Neither has been approved to return to the NHL. Both one return. Would a politically correct, modern, semi-woke company such as Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment ever consider either of these men pushed out because of the Kyle Beach investigation? There's a question mark on that. I would certainly consider it. Steve Simmons, are you kidding me? Pushed out because of the Kyle Beach investigation. Let me translate that for how you should have written it. Two jackasses fired for covering a sexual assault 
should never be hired again in the NHL. That's how you should have written it, Steve. Not that you would certainly consider hiring them back and calling Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. And I hate you even more, Steve Simmons, for making me say something remotely decent about a Maple Leaf thing. Semi-woke because they are potentially not going to take your stance of hiring two people of many who covered up a sexual assault. That does not make them semi-woke, Steve Simmons. If anything, that makes them have a conscience and decent people to not consider if that's the case. I, mean, I don't know. Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment very well could be considering hiring Stan Bowman and Joel Quinville. I can't speak for either one of them. I don't know. But if you're insinuating that they're not thinking of it because of that stance, then you know what, MLSE, good for you. It it concerns me that he goes to the phrasing woke because that is such a, I don't want to get it political at all, but that is such a uneducated word. It really is. And you, Steve Simmons just told me everything that I now need to know about Steve Simmons. He is of that mind frame that I don't want to get political. He is who we always thought he was. He goes down. He has those beliefs. That's what I'll say. I now know Steve Simmons has those beliefs. I have zero respect. Not that I ever had it for him in the first place. I now probably have negative 100 respect for this guy because he's he's throwing around words that he probably doesn't know what they mean. It's it's uh, it's a buzzword in in freedom talk he's throwing around a buzzword that really means nothing and you went there saying that sexual assault allegations are woke you're an asshole you should be fired you should never ever 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 be allowed to write another article again for trying to say that sexual allegations are woke that's ridiculous go to hell yeah. steve simmons go to hell yeah and like the fact that to say that Kyle Beach's life, forget the career. The career was absolutely destroyed from this, but Kyle Beach's life was destroyed. They, they took something. He has, he has to look at hockey with such disdain. Take something that he loved and make it so, something that was horrible for him. And so many people made him to be the problem. Not the executives, the coaches, the players, and everyone else that kept their damn mouth shut about it. And then for Steve Simmons to say that uh, modern semi-woke company, why? Because they have values, they have standards, Steve. Because they don't believe that just because it's sports, it tops everything else. Give me a break, man. Like, that is just such a dumb take and a dumb thing to say and steve simmons doesn't deserve any more time really in, in anything based on that statement that what he wrote right there well there you have it that's our are you kidding me for this week we'd love to know what you guys have to think about steve simmons hell if you want to throw us some steve simmons uh 
uh, hate, we'd love to see it. <laughs> Reach out to us. I'm at the BleacherCon 1. Ken is at the BleacherCon 2. Oh, Jay's fans. Oh, we want to hear from you too. Uh, you got to be as frustrated as we are. Uh, again, I'm at the BleacherCon 1. Ken's at the BleacherCon 2. Ken, let's move on. And let, the Jays so are so frustrating. They made me reference a Sarah Jessica Parker movie. <laughs> Like I, I'm that's impressed. How, that's how frustrating it I I am. The, the the worrisome thing for me is like you just watched it last night. That's where you came up with this. No, I I like, have like, I can 100 say I've never seen it. Never seen it. No, don't don't bullshit me. You gets on your loop of favorites. <laughs> Ken, let let's stay with the Toronto Maple Leafs though. Last weekend, high five. The Toronto Maple Leafs got high eliminated five. from the playoffs. You and I. And actually, we'll throw our buddy, Mr. John Easthope, had a very happy celebration <laughs> in talking about this. There's a big smile on our face. And then oh, later that weekend, yeah, we're doing happy dances later that weekend. The Edmonton Oilers also got eliminated, which just made it a beautiful weekend. But, you know, for this, for this episode, we're going to stay with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's kind of, where do they go from here? Well, they've already had one piece of significant news happen this offseason that I'm not necessarily convinced they were expecting, and they've moved on from Kyle Dubas. I'm not 100% sure on the circumstances as to why they finally came to this. Rumor has it Dubas, you know, had big demands. He had his press conference where I think he put a seed of doubt as to whether he actually wanted to be the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs anymore. Then he had kind of, the rumor is he put out a pretty... Uh, significant demand to uh, President of Hockey Operations, Brent Shannon, pretty much saying, you're going to pay me a boatload of money and I have final say on everything. Which, you know what, I'm good on Kyle Dubas. If he felt like he didn't have final say, then good. I'm glad he said something about that. So I'm going to talk about that part because I have thoughts on that. Yeah, so Kyle Dubas is now gone as GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ken, I want to start there. Is Kyle Dubas really that good of a GM that this is that big of a deal? Because I question whether he is. Now, I, I want to start off here. I will never, ever fault a GM who's willing to make bold moves. I appreciate a GM that's willing to make bold moves. Kyle Dubas was willing to make bold moves. Brad Tree living in Calgary was willing to make bold moves. I will never fault a general manager for trying to win by making significant moves. Kyle Dubas was willing to do that. That being said, Ken, is this a whole lot of fuss about nothing? And is Kyle Dubas really that good of a GM? Well, I'll start off. Kyle Dubas was willing to do sue moves. Not so much bold moves. I think like if you were a, a Sue Greyhound at any aspect, then he was looking for you. But uh, it is a bigger deal than it should be because he was the Toronto Maple Leafs GM. Like, let's face it. That is why... This is a big deal. The center of Canada, everything, senator, senator, ah, center of the world, try that again, is the Toronto Maple Leafs when it comes to the NHL. So, of course, it gets blown out of perspective. I do not think Kyle Dubas is as good a GM as everyone is giving him credit for, right? Like, let's be honest, he spent 2011 to 2014. As a as the GM of the Sioux Greyhounds, his very first <laughs> job at an executive level 
in hockey. He was an agent before that for a couple guys, Cal Clifford and Andrew Desjardins. That was it. But he also lost clients because, because they'd go to bigger agencies and people, I guess, could do better than Kyle Dubas. So you don't really hear a lot about great agents who lose clients. And their biggest one is Cal Clifford. Um, he spent nine years in MLSE with being involved with the Marlies and then five years as GM of the Maple Leafs. He gave Sheldon Keefe his first coaching job in the Sioux. Oh, then he gave him his first coaching job in the AHL with the Marlies. And he was his first choice to replace Babcock. He he is the type that sticks with his friends. And, and my point about you talked about him asking for the autonomy and the big demands. I, I think Shanahan said no to that because the rumors are Shanahan had final say and was checking the moves he wanted to make. And I'm going to say, because he probably didn't trust him as much as he, as time went on because he had no real experience before this job with MLSE three years in the, in the Canadian junior hockey league as a general manager. And sure he helped turn the Sioux around, but they never won a championship. The best they did was the sec they were the second best team in the OHL in the regular season. Kyle Dubas, sure, walked into some good players with the Maple Leafs, but he never built the roster to be a winning team outside of the regular season. To me, Kyle Dubas is not the general manager genius mastermind that Toronto media and the Toronto Maple Leaf fans would like you to believe. And now Shanahan's being vilified for having to babysit Dubis and not giving him that autonomy. And I kind of got to wonder what moves would he have done if he had full autonomy and would the Leafs have been as good in the regular season as they were? Here's where I want to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I've got it with you. Dubas won one playoff series in how many years? And then got roasted in the second round when they did get through in five games. So it, it, it's almost as good as a, a first-round failure, which this team's very good at. Kyle Dubas was his own worst enemy early on. He signed Austin Matthews to way too much money and not enough term. Like, in the world of hockey, you either – like. You, you go a five-year term, well, that should be able to bring the UFA or the cap number down a little bit. No, he paid a premium to get those five years. If you're paying $11.6 million for Austin Matthews, that should have got you an eight-year term. So yep. they are one year away from Austin Matthews potentially being gone. They signed John Tavares at the time to a, what was it, an eight by $11 million? I think it was an eight, seven year $11 million deal. That's been an epic failure. And I'm not saying John Tavares isn't a good hockey player. John Tavares is a very good hockey player. There's a reason John Tavares was one of my all-overrated players uh, two years ago when we first did our all-overrated edition. The guy really hasn't won anything. You paid $11 million for him. So there's you know $22 million. You had all the leverage with Mitch Marner, and you still managed to pay Mitch Marner $11 million. He hamstrung himself early giving out way too much money. And it's been an issue since. Okay, let's get past that. 
this team's on the brink of disaster. They are two years removed away from potential disaster. Austin Matthews could be gone after this year. John Tavares could be gone after two years. He's got two years left. Mitch Marner's only got two years left. William Nylander's only got one year left. So you got Matthews and Nylander both with one year left. What's the appetite of these guys to stay? Especially, let's say again next year, they have a first-round flame-out. What is the appetite of these guys to stay? Let's go down the, the list a little bit. You're one year away from TJ Brody being UFA. I'll give TJ Brody credit here. He, I was one of his biggest haters when he left the Flames. I thought he was going to get roasted playing in the Toronto market. He's actually played very well in that market. He's one year away from UFA. Matt Murray in one of the most puzzling moves ever by Kyle Dubas as that was his that was his solution and goal, but he's one year away from UFA and you have no goalie. And barely this he has a modified no trade too. Yeah, exactly. He's got a modified no trade. Like this team, Jake Muzzin is one year away. I know I don't know if he'll play again. Jake Muzzin is significantly hurt. He's one year away from UFA. So you're looking within the next one to two years. Your top four forwards, your starting goalie, and your top two defensemen are UFAs. I will tell you one thing. Kyle Dubas has left a mess for whoever is coming in. This team has one more really good year where they're a fide contender. Contender, I'll use air quotes, because they can't win in the playoffs. Yeah. They're in trouble because they have no draft capital. They've they have Boston's first round pick this year. Well, that's great. That's like 29th. They don't have their own. They have no second, no third, no fourth. Next year, they have their first. They have no second, no third. They got New York's. Year after that, they got no first. They got no second. They've only got like two picks in the top two rounds over the next three years. They don't have a ton of great prospects either. I, Kyle Dubas has left this franchise in a big problem. They actually remind me a lot of the Calgary Flames. They are one year away from potential disaster. Because if Austin Matthews walks, this team's not as good. If John Tavares walks in two years, this team's not as good. William Nylander, who might actually be the most consistent of these top four, is one year away. What happens if he walks? Like this team is in trouble. Potential, I don't want to say in trouble. They are potentially in trouble. Because don't tell me right now all these guys aren't going to want raises, except for maybe John Tavares. John Tavares is going to have to take a, a, a reduction in salary. All these other guys, Austin Matthews might want $14 million. Mitch Marner might want 12 William Nylanders, you don't think he's looking at it going, hey, I want 9 or 10 Like, this team is in trouble. They better win next year, or I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, this uh, going into the season, they have 33 of possible 50 contracts signed. They're going to go in with $9.9 million available. They have seven forwards under contract. They got six defensemen, but you're counting on Giordano, Timmins, Lilligren, McKay, Brody. And Morgan Riley, who's signed for seven more seasons at $7.5 million. 
I didn't even touch that contract. That contract's off. Right. You got Matt Murray on an expiring deal. He, will he even play is the question. Samsonov, RFA, so they kind of own his rights. He's right on Muzzin there. The team has a lot of money to fill a lot of holes. doesn't have enough money to fill all the holes they have. And this is what you know. people talk about Dubas being a, a genius. Well, when you're dealing with Ma Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander at the top, that's four players. And you try and fill out the remaining bottom six, even your second line and the rest of your third and fourth line with guys who make 750000 to a million dollars, your team's not going to have the depth it needs to win. And that's what... Dubas did for the last four or five seasons was just trying to stop gap and hope that those top four could get it done when it came to the playoffs. And when you have Matthew Spares, Martin and Nylander combined for three goals in five games against Florida, that's why you lost that right there is why you lost because those guys disappeared. Not the referees. Not, you know, I'm so sick of that. And that whole narrative just needs to stop. Like Toronto, you did not get screwed by anyone other than your star players. Every right? team, that narrative needs to stop. Yeah. Like, you have $40 million not producing in four players. Right? Give me a break. Get over it. This team is in dire need. Out of the forwards, the only RFA they have coming up in a couple of years is Matthew Nyes. I was just trying to look. It says Matthews has a uh, modified no trade clause that kicks in, I believe, July 1st. And if they can't get a guarantee of an extension signed by June 30th, they got to make that move because you like you can't let him walk at the end of the season for nothing like Johnny Goudreau did. You got to treat it like a Matthew Kachuk situation and get the best that you can get for him. Now, Gary Bettman, and we'll talk about this poverty franchise in a bit, Gary Bettman would push very hard for the Toronto Maple Leafs to trade Matthews to Arizona. They can't afford him. He's not going there. Apparently, They're not going to well, be there. Well, we don't know. <laughs> we'll talk we're we'll talking about that. that in a second. But that's the only saving grace Arizona has to keep that franchise. Morello only goes after players that have cap hit and no actual salary so that maybe he does have a Brinks truck or two filled ready for Austin Matthews to sign him. The biggest thing is you can't let him walk. Nylander has a modified no trade clause. Kelly Yarncroke has a modified no trade clause. Like that's not those two players right there are not enough of needle movers in trades figure it out to get it done. And I just think it's really as a, as a Toronto Maple Leaf non-fan, I love it. But at the same time, like with everything that's going on, like Kyle Dubas apparently has been given permission to talk, talk to Pittsburgh, right? Like again, this whole narrative that he's this guru GM, I think is so flawed. Um, I don't think he did a good job because that team never got any better under him. 
sure, win all the regular season games you want, but when the goal Stanley Cups, it, you failed. And you've left this team with absolutely nothing to go off of. Like the fact that you're looking at cap friendly and you have $44 million to seven forwards is just an absolute atrocity. That's so bad. You kind of hit on one of the, my next talking point was going to be, and that was everybody talks about the core four. You talked about the possibility of having to move these guys. And the reason I want to bring this up is we have a very similar situation going on with Calgary Flames when it comes to Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin. These guys got one year left. The Flames are coming off, and you already referenced it, the Flames are coming off an offseason where they didn't make decisions on players with one year left, and they lost them. Matthew Kachuk, they traded, and Johnny Goudreau walked. The reason I want to talk about this is the Toronto Maple Leafs are in a very similar boat. And you talked about already going, if, if you know, you need to know Austin Matthews intentions. You need to know William Nylander's intentions this off season, because you cannot risk losing these two guys for nothing. You cannot risk losing these guys for nothing. Austin Matthews, especially you cannot risk having him walk next offseason for nothing. With Kyle Dubas being gone, that, that was the link there. Like those two got along famously. Is Austin Matthews pissed off now? You need to make a decision on Austin Matthews this season, this offseason. You either back the Brinks truck up to him, sign him to an eight-year, $14 million per year extension, and get it done, get it out of the way. Or you have to trade him. You have to decide what route you're going to do because you cannot take the chance that he walks away for nothing next offseason. William Nylander to a lesser extent, but I think you're in the same boat. Can you use William Nylander as leverage to get an actual number one defenseman? Can you? You might have to. Again, you can't let him walk next offseason for nothing. I look at the Calgary Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs as natural trading partners here because they've got a lot of players in a similar boat. Flames need scoring and the Toronto Maple Leafs need defense. Can you look at a William Nylander for Noah Hannafin type deal? A William Nylander, and it'd be, there'd be plus plus, like, but I'm just throwing out the, the cores. Can you look at a William Nylander for Oliver Shillington type deal, Rasmus Anderson, like can they potentially solve a problem with the Flames got a similar problem? They need scoring, Leafs need defense. It's the only reason I'm bringing them up and they're in a similar spot where they've, they've got assets that they can't potentially look at losing for nothing. So are they natural trade partners? Maybe they are. But are the but you know, but on the other side of that is are the Calgary Flames gonna be willing to bring in William Nylander to then be one year away from the same situation? But I just think there's potentially natural trades here because they're both in a similar spot. So why not you know leverage that and help each other out? Now I've just is that gonna happen? Probably not. I, I honestly think the Leafs aren't going to do anything. They're going to go into next season with the exact same team and run it back and try to you know go on this year's successes. But 
I don't think that's the best plan. I don't think it is. You can't let Austin Matthews leave for nothing. You have to get him signed to an extension this offseason, or you have to trade him. Two of the four need to go. And honestly, I don't think it really matters who. It's going to be whatever you can get the most for. Now, is that meaning Matthews and Marner? And you get a lot back for those two that fill a lot of holes that you need that you have. Um, Because if you're willing to pay Matthews $14 million, you're still having almost 40 million then up in three players for the next season. That is the first year that contract kicks in. And then are they going to sign Tavares to an extension? You know, it's still a lot of money tied up in a non-playoff producer. And that's why, like, the guy's probably worth the money, but at the same time, is he? If he can't produce I think he him. is. Austin Matthews is a former heart winner. You don't let those go. Unless you're getting an absolute unspeakable return for him. I would lean towards you pay him. You pay him. You do whatever it takes to get him signed to an eight-year extension. And if it's $13 million, $14 million, $15 million, you deal with that. You cannot lose Austin Matthews. But you also can't not make the decision on him. Yeah. To me, the, it's easy. You Austin Matthews gets signed, and then William Nylander is the casualty of that. But then do you go, okay, we're signing Matthews. Do we fill voids with Nylander? Do we get younger? Do we get faster? Do we get you know more inexpensive players? Like, Do you use William Nylander to create depth in your lineup that you've never had before? Yeah, I mean, like Mark Giordano's – Going to be 39 going into this season. Well, he, he was only playing on. nine minutes a night in the playoffs. So he's not, he's a real, I don't want to say he's irrelevant because he's had such a great career, but you can't go into a season with a 39 year old being in your top six who's losing speed and, and he's not the same player he was. At a certain point in time, you got to start bringing guys in, but they don't have any RFAs on defense. No, they don't. Gustafson, Hall, Shen, UFA, Giordano going to be a UFA in a year, Brody in a year, McCabe in two, like Lilligren and Timmins are the only two guys on that defense that are going to be RFAs. And they need a goalie. Like, we haven't even touched on that. They need a goalie. Yeah, and those don't come cheap. Those don't come cheap. That could be a Nylander or... Marner type deal, like you got to give. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Is is Nylander used to fill the void somewhere else? And he very well might be, especially if if uh, Matthews resigns. Like to me, one of the four is going to have to get moved if Matthews resigns. You're just not going to have the cap space for him. Yeah. So, and but I think priority number one has got to be getting Matthews resigned. You can't let him go. Well, I mean, when I I, prediction already, you know, it's going to be Jim Benning. GM and Travis Green behind the bench. So it, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I would probably laugh my ass off pretty good if that was the case, but I, I highly doubt it. Uh, I just, the Leafs are in unprecedented water right now. They're really at a crossroads because they're one to two years away, as we referenced right off the start, from being in trouble. Like this. Their window has been wide open for the last three, four years, and they've done nothing with it. They're in trouble. 
and their window might be slammed shut here very quickly. And all of a sudden, these good times, 100-point seasons, you know, finishing first, second in the division, those might go away very quickly oh, yeah. here. I won't yeah. be heartbroken if it does, trust me. But this team's at a crossroads, and they may have to think longer term because they're two years away from potential disaster. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, though. A new coach could come in, new system, everything. Because Jason Spezza handed in his resignation. How many other people handed in their resignation when Dubas was gone? How many more people are going to get fired now that Dubas is gone? Like this team, top to bottom, is going to look very different. And you can't, I mean, to me, you can't hang your hat on the fact that they're a good um, regular season team already, continuing when you bring in a new coaching staff, right? Because, hey, as the Canucks learned, despite the players wanting to have workouts with coaches, you can't. It's going to cost you 50 grand. It, it, uh, right? So that you're going to have to go in and learn everything from scratch, forget everything that potentially Keith has done at training camp. So it, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I think they're already, they got one foot over the trouble line right now. Like they're but they're straddling. That's it. why I brought it up. That's why I brought it up because I do too. I think I don't think they're I don't think that I don't think they're a lot closer to it than than you're saying. I think this year could coming up could be trouble for them. Well, Ken, let's let's move on from the Toronto Maple Leafs again. We want to hear from Leafs fans. Do you have the doom and gloom that we do on this team? Because I think we've made a relatively compelling point that they're this team could look significantly different in two years and. The happy, joyous 100-point seasons could be gone. Leafs fans, reach out on Twitter. I'm at the BleacherCon 1. Ken is at the BleacherCon 2. Ken, final topic of the day, and we're going to talk about your favorite franchise. Franchise I'm not that, talking Canucks. Hits, that hits close to home and tugs at your heartstrings. And they were dealt a potential fatal blow in the last week. And your Arizona slash Phoenix, slash Glendale, slash Tempe Coyotes. Oh, definitely oh not wait, Tempe. no, definitely not Tempe. <laughs> Coyotes are in big trouble. Yeah. Um, the, the vote in Tempe to build this, what was it, like $2.5 billion sports complex – that would generate millions of dollars in revenue for Tempe uh, and, and at others for years to come, went to the people to vote on in this special referendum. And the people of Tempe spoke and voted all three propositions down. I think to the same vote of 56 to 44 and against it. They don't want it. And to me, this is very, very telling because this is not was not a vote to say, do you approve of your state tax, city tax money going to build this sports complex, the sports mega center in Tempe, Arizona on a toxic landfill? There was no state or city money involved in this at all this was not going to cost the city of tempe the citizens of tempe any money they were going to transform this toxic waste dump 
into this beautiful multi-billion dollar complex for to host concerts and uh, a host of other things on top of the 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 Arizona Coyotes and they said no to me if you're the NHL if you're Gary Bettman you have to pull your head out of the sand and say the people don't want this the people are done with this and yet we're not quite there Trevor like I find this so telling that the people don't want it and it's essentially free to them it's not going to cost them anything and there's going to be part of a revitalization to their city the NHL has to take that as a clear message do you not like do you disagree well you would think that you really, really would but <laughs> the NHL got caught with their pants down wouldn't be the first time cuz i didn't think i don't think that they thought this was even remotely possible that this wouldn't get voted through it's like hey we're going to build you this wonderful facility cover up the landfill and it's not going to cost you anything i think they thought that this was such a slam dunk yes vote that they got caught with their pants down and you even saw it essentially in the statement that they put out that night where it was like one or two sentences of we will speak on this at a later date we're committed to phoenix blah 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 they had no idea that this was voted down and it did and now they're in scramble mode and they've already issued you know a, a statement to the coyotes we will be playing at mullet arena next year um Maybe you shouldn't have issued that statement because if I'm the other 31 owners, I'm going to Gary Bettman and go get this team the hell out of there. Get them into a different market. The, the people of Phoenix, Tempe, Glendale, they don't even want a team because it was going to get you. There's going to be a free billion dollar facility. And they said no to that, but no, let's, let's commit to Phoenix for at least one more year. Let's play out of the joke mullet arena and draw 4,500 fans to a game that we give away 4,400 tickets. Like, this is such a disaster. And now you've got players, players on the Coyotes pretty much saying, ah, uh, get me out of here. Well, Clayton Keller's know. dad made a statement. And yeah, then Clayton claimed... Keller has kind of walked it back, but well, his dad said his dad account got said, Get me out of here. Get him out of here. Yeah. But now Clayton Keller's going, well, I just want to know the long-term direction, blah, blah. No, you don't. You want out, and rightfully so, you want out. Both statements can There's, be true. Yeah, exactly. Both statements can be true. He wants out, but he also maybe wants to know the direction. And if I'm a Phoenix Coyotes player, what is the direction? There's been no direction for years on this team. There's been uncertainty around them getting paid their paychecks. They've gone from an NHL building a beautiful, like the, the building in Glendale was beautiful, an 18,000 seat facility to a college arena. Like if I'm the players, I can't fault them for wanting to know what the direction is. I'm I, sorry. The direction is going backwards. This team is half that team. This though, team's regressing. I'll, I'll give that piece about the players wanting to know what about their futures, because truly Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, Rouse, uh, are about the only NHLers on that roster. The rest of them wanted to stay there and continue to be under Morello because 
the rest of them wouldn't be in the damn NHL if it wasn't for the Phoenix Coyotes. Because the ownership is only interested in paying players that have no cap hit. or no actual salary, only cap hit. There's a reason why Zach Cassian's there. The the Nick Nemeth. Like, the guys, he's got no one that they're paying. Like, they got the same number of players under contract at forward than the Leafs. Yeah, and their cap hit's only $24 million, 800. 20 million less than the Leafs. On defense, they have five. Yeah, five players signed. Six and a half million on defense. Their goaltending is only worth $2.725 million because Connor Ingram is an RFA and hasn't been signed yet. And Vejmelka has 2.7 left. But you look at the injured reserve, Borachek, Weber, Brian Little, Andrew Ladd. Well, there's $24 million. That'll never play. That'll never play. <laughs> right? Like, there's more money that will never play on the Arizona Coyotes than their forward depth. And that's only four players. One Don't of them forget is the UFA. Dead cap. Don't forget Ladd. the dead cap player. Oh, you're, you're, sorry. you're glossing over. 990000 to uh, OEL, my, uh, one of my defensemen on the Canucks. But that $21.4 million is really only to three players because Lad's a UFA, and he'll never play again. This franchise is a joke. They can't go back to Phoenix and play out of the arena that the Suns play out of because they have a $2.4 billion lawsuit against them and the city of Phoenix. So the city of Phoenix and the Suns are not going to open their arms to the Coyotes. The arena originally had horrible sight lines for hockey because it was a basketball building. They've since renovated it not that long ago to keep it a basketball building. And the, yeah, and I was just going to say there have to be further renovations to even make it a hockey building. Who's and paying just, for that? Well, and they just did it, so they're not going to do it again, right? Like, what I find frustrating about this is Houston makes perfect sense right now. You drop them into Houston, they stay in the same division, they stay, everything stays the same. They can walk into an NHL-ready building right now. But the NHL and people are talking about if it, they were to relocate, that Utah and Salt Lake City makes the most sense because they have an NHL-ready arena that the Jazz play out of, and they, they would save Houston. And this is another, next, another part of this that I was flabbergasted about. Atlanta for expansion so that they could collect $2 billion from those franchises versus collecting nothing out of Houston in a relocation. Like, come on. Something needs to be done. Third, like I, I'm waiting for one of the 31 other owners to have the cojones at a board meeting sit there and actually say to Gary Bettman, Get over yourself. We pay your wage. Stop having us, the 31 other owners, fund that owner's team. Because that is exactly what's happening right now. And why any of them are standing for it, I don't understand. Why has no one out of the other ownership groups said enough is enough. Why are we paying for this franchise to continue floundering and costing us money? That's what I don't understand. 
I can't argue really anything you said there because I don't get it either. I The only thing I do understand is you want to have a team in one of the biggest TV markets in the United States. I can understand that. But when none of those eyes are watching the team, who cares? When none of those eyes are really going to the game, who cares? When the ownership has no money to pay any of their players, who cares? When ownership doesn't have the money to bring in big name players to draw interest around, who cares? You talk, you joke about Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews isn't going to this tire fire. Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews was the solution. At one point in time, Austin Matthews probably was the solution. But he'll never go there. This team won't be around when it comes time next year for him to go there. But they also never, ever went out and got another superstar player. Like, they had Shane Doan. Well, who cares? Keith Kachuk, like Solani. Keith Kachuk. Team with Solani, but they never – those guys – they haven't had those guys in a long time. Who have they had since? Who have they marketed in that market to be the face of the franchise? Well, for a little while, Oliver ekman Larson, yeah, Mike Smith, Clayton Keller – they just have no big, they have no star power. It's hard to get fans excited when you go, come watch us and watch a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. No. Why is the NBA so successful? Hey, come watch an NBA game and you get to watch LeBron James. You get to watch Kevin Garnett way back in the day. You get to watch Kobe Bryant. You get to watch Vince Carter. They don't. The Arizona Coyotes have never had this. Come to our games and watch Clayton Keller. And I'm not trying to knock Clayton Keller. He's he's a good hockey player. There's just no – they've never, ever, ever marketed this team properly to really draw in fans. They've never drafted superstars. Like, their drafting record isn't that great because what superstar has ever been drafted? Ekman Larson was good. He's not a superstar. Like – They've never drafted well enough to have these, you know, big name guys. They've never acquired any in free agency. Like what, what was the last big name free agent to sign in Arizona? I don't know. I don't know. Eukstad? Maybe. Like they, they've never gone out and traded for a superstar. What was the last trade for a superstar? They've never had a face of the franchise. And it's finally, finally, I think, coming to an end, rightfully so. And this will be the last year in Mullet Arena, and this team will move on. Fingers they always, crossed. They, they always, I mean, let's face it. You talked about how, you know, they gave 4,400 tickets away. That building holds 4,600 for hockey. And you said it was 900 last season they gave to ASU. And this season it's going up, the number of tickets that they gave to the university. So you can't even get... 4,600 of your own fans to fill that arena paying. And sure, the majority of them now are uh, Coyote fans, but the Coyotes fan base has always been the the Canadian spending winter down in Arizona going to games for, for 20 bucks at row 15 behind the net. It's been so cheap and so easy to go to games that that's where other fan bases go to go watch a game. So you never get that home ice advantage. And if they did have a crowd, 
It's because someone big from a Canadian team or somewhere else was in town, not because of the Coyotes. This, uh, it's a joke. And honestly, I hope this is the nail in the coffin that finally ends it because it's just absolutely asinine that this is continuing to go on year after year. Right. Like I just, it needs to stop. It truly does. It, the clown show is over. It really is. Cut your losses and move to a different market. Houston is either, it's either Arizona, Houston or Houston, Arizona for TV markets. So going to Houston is going to give you the same amount of TV viewership, if not more, because they actually want the team there. Right. Like, when has Salt Lake City ever been talked about in terms of an NHL franchise going there? Never. Not until this vote went through. And now you're going to relocate them there? Like To me, again, this is another, what are you doing? What are you You have doing? a hard enough time drawing people to come play in Phoenix. Yeah. Let, let's go to Salt Lake City. Like, you want to talk about undesirable free agent destinations? Like, Well, it depends. What's just... the tax situation there? Well, I'm more going on the uh, being able to have fun situation in the <laughs> off season. Like, yeah, Salt Lake City, I'm sure, is a beautiful city, but there's there's some different um, rules there that make it not as potentially enjoyable as a place for some players. Yeah, the reason players like going to Las Vegas. There's <laughs> the reason players like going to Los Angeles and New York City. There's a nightlife there. There's activities there. Salt Lake City, not so much. They may yeah. have troubles attracting free agents to Salt Lake City. This team sucks enough as it is. Let I'm alone, sure. Now let's handicap them being able to get free agents. No, no, no. It's going to be easy. You're going to have Jordan, Mark, and uh, Eric Stahl, Ivan Provorov. You're going to have all the guys that, oh, you know. Really? Wow. <laughs> they brought it up not me i'm just saying i'm just using whatever their words about their strong beliefs i'm more um, thinking about the adult beverage portion of this and being able to go to enjoy the nightlife yeah yeah there's not much of that in salt lake city no <laughs> it's like it could be a bit of a deterrent yeah hey, you take it you take it how you want to <laughs> I just, all kidding aside, I just don't think Salt Lake City's the answer. I really, really don't. No, I, I, Houston, uh, Houston, maybe Kansas City, maybe you can get Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey behind, you know, bringing a team to the Kansas City area because there's potential rumored interest. Can those two make hockey sexy in Kansas City? Maybe they can. Like to yeah. me, it's, you know, Kansas City, Houston. You know, we're not even talking about Quebec City because we just know that that's not even an option, even though it it probably should be. We just know it's not an option. They're drawing 18,000 fans for junior hockey. Like, uh, you know it's not going to happen. It would have to be an expansion situation where you go... Fine, move Arizona to Salt Lake, and then you go expansion to Houston and Quebec so that the, the conferences are evened out again. But, yeah, you know it's not going to happen, and it just kind of sucks. Hell, moving to Saskatoon or Regina. 
I thought I thought I forgot Jeremy Roenick played for the Phoenix Coyotes back in the day when he was washed oh. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he was already done collecting a paycheck. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. It's time, Mr. Batman. It's time. The the fans don't even want the team there anymore. And they spoke loud yeah. and clear. Well, when that vote came through and, and we were kind of talking about it in the group chat with John and he he said uh Gary Bittman, Gary needs to admit defeat. My response was a Jeopardy meme and saying, I'll take uh, things Gary Bettman will never do for a million, Alex. Um, Gary Bettman will not admit defeat. And that's my biggest scare around this is they're, they're talking about Mesa. Mesa, Arizona has said, hey, we'll come with come play here. Well, you don't need a vote. The problem is, is some of the land that they would be able to is Native American land and Morello has heavy hands and casinos and if you go there you can't do that you would have to pull back on that and that that's i think his real bread and butter so i don't think he's going to do that it, it, this team's going to do a, a tour of arizona until they end up playing out of someone's backyard rink it's just such a joke i wish they would just finally put it to sleep and and move on so that the NHL could be stable. 31 other franchises shouldn't support this team anymore at all. They're doing it to themselves. While we've been chatting, this is just kind of a side, as I talked about never having superstars in this market. While we were chatting, I was actually Googling, trying to find the biggest name Phoenix, Arizona Coyotes of all time. Ujo? Here's the top five list that, uh, that took me forever to find the Shane Doan. Okay. Jeremy Roenick, Keith Kachuk, Teppo Newmanen, and Nikolai Habibulin. Like these are potentially being classified the greatest five Arizona slash Phoenix Coyotes of history. There's your problem. This yeah. is your problem. And then I'm not disrespecting Shane Doan. He had a great career, but he he never had that full superstar status. Kachuk, Keith Kachuk was probably the best super star they ever had because he actually more or less played there in his prime jeremy Roenick got there later in his prime but when you're rounding that out with tepo newmanen and nikolai habibulin like habibulin had his best days in tampa bay not even with your franchise like that to me is why this franchise never worked you could never sell it austin matthews was that name but he'll never get there yeah I'm sure Gary's got a crisis meeting going right now to see how he can make that happen, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> oh, they're done. Move on. Yeah. Speaking of being done, I we're, I think we're done talking about that franchise. I, and I hope you say something permanent comes out of this. That is no longer in Arizona. Just figure it out. Well, <laughs> Let us know what you think on the Arizona. I know, you know, on Twitter, there's a couple people, one especially who's very high on Arizona that probably is helping lead that charge to keep them there. But let us know what you think. You know, where should Arizona um, land? You know, one of the places we talked about, somewhere new. Um, is Saskatoon or Regina an option? No, no. but why not? You know, let's put, <laughs> <laughs> hey, put them in financially, <laughs> financially, that team in Saskatchewan would never have a problem bringing in money um you could charge grass as you know saskatchewan coyote green and they they'd buy it up 
Let us know what you think. Trevor's at the BleachCon one. I'm at the BleachCon two on Twitter. Well, Trevor, that's uh, it, we talked a lot about a lot of different things. We uh, tried to take off in Jay's in flight, but there's not much to help get us off the ground with that. Um, a lot going in in the world of, of, of hockey. We got the draft coming up. We got you know what moves are going to be there. Free agency is shortly after that. Lots of stuff coming up. Hopefully our Jays can turn it around so that we have much brighter things to talk about. One thing we haven't touched on, uh, CFL training camps starting Woo-hoo. to open. So that's a that's a, always a, a fun time, fun thing to look at. Gives us some things to talk about. There was already some controversy with Sean Lemon being let go and people shocked that a 35-year-old is, is being cut. Um, and I got nothing against Sean Lemon. He's a, he's a good player, good guy, but like, 35 if you can bring someone in who's a little younger a little faster that's the name of the game but that's our show for this week i want to thank everyone for tuning in don't forget to check out belly up sports bellyupsports.com make sure to check out all the articles and all the other podcasts on the network that's our show thanks for tuning in thanks everyone